All right, we're here with uh, number 43, Auto Week Podcast. The big 4-3. Big 43, that's a big one for us. It's the, a significant number. I'm Rory. Solidly uh, middle-aged. Wesley's here, yep. Mike's here, uh, Jimmy. On the phone, we have Matt Weaver, uh, straight from the Snowball Derby. Uh, the Snowball Fight, I think it's called. Anyway, he's here uh, to talk a little bit of stock car racing. Um, what does that mean? Is that something? What's that? What is the Snowball Derby? Tell, it's a race. All right, we Ray, Matt, tell us about the Snowball Derby. What is it? Yeah, yeah. The Snowball Derby is the uh, biggest short track asphalt late model race in the country. Uh, it is arguably at this point it's the only race of its kind to where you have every regional champion, uh, regional track winner, champion, uh, NASCAR drivers all kind of congregate in one place. It's kind of a, a meeting ground for the best short track drivers. And uh, you went again this year. How many times have you been? <laughs> oh, this is uh, my 20th derby. Um, you know, I, I was actually working on a really good um, stretch here. I'm, I'm going to pile on you guys a little bit. Uh, this would have been my 21st year in a row, but I had to miss one uh, two Decembers ago because it was when I first joined the company and I was doing my introductory meetings and rain pushed the race to Wednesday. So it's a terrible thing. It was supposed to be on Sunday. Sunday was rained out. Monday was rained out. Tuesday was rained out. And I had to fly down to Detroit. And if it wasn't for that, I would be sitting on 21 straight snowball derbies. But such is life. That's Yeah, that's not our fault. That's the rain. I didn't do that to you. No, no, it is the rain. Mother, Mother Nature did her thing. Yeah. So uh, good races this uh, year? Yeah, fun? Oh, yeah. It's the most important race to me because it's more than just a race. Having grown up on the Gulf Coast, that makes us part of the part of what created my racing culture. And uh, there's there's a lot of people that I see all year who go there. I mean, PRI is this weekend in Indianapolis, but in some ways the Snowball Derby is a lot like a, a miniature PRI, at least for stock car people, because even if you're not in the race, uh, you want to attend the race and see the race. So a lot of business gets done on Sunday morning. Um, a lot of stories are exchanged, and one of the things that we're going to talk about uh, kind of floated to me at the Derby. So it's uh, a place where interesting things happen, even beyond the racing itself. Now, I saw something at the end of the race. I know this is not what you're here to talk about, but I'm going to totally blindside you. <laughs> so in the in the post-race, uh, and I'm going to forget the kid's name, uh, Winner? Yeah. Noah Grantham. Yeah. Tell us what happened there in the trophy presentation. Well, the, the viral oh, moment that we all know. About the, uh, are we talking about the girl? I believe we are, yeah. It's all about the girl. <laughs> okay, so first, because Noah is a, um, he's a character, and he had looked over at the at the, the trophy girl, for lack of a better term, that sounds somewhat just mean. The meaning, I guess, in 2018, but she she is the trophy presenting girl. Uh, her name is Helena. Uh, and he said that he's here to 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 win the race, to get the trophy, and to kiss the trophy girl. And so we all kind of shrugged that off because it's Noah being Noah. Anyone who's watched his NASCAR career over the last two seasons kind of expect that out of Noah. Noah uh, tried to lean in and kiss a. Uh, a monster energy girl in Texas a couple of years ago. How'd that work it's out? Just, just, just it did not work out really well at all. 
he got rejected. And he got rejected on, on Sunday, too, when he went to lean into the kiss in victory lane. Although, although it worked out because on second attempt, after talking about it, he got the kiss. And in uh, technical inspection, she came back over and uh, she walked up to him and said, you know, if you're going to try to kiss me, I at least need to know your name. And not only did Noah give his name, or, or did he give her his name, he got the digits. So, you know, he got the trophy, he got the win, and apparently he's working on getting the roll too. <laughs> well, I don't like it. That's, uh, that's uh, not a very progressive move. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> Next time we're in the same place, the three of us, you, me, and Noah. Oh, uh, let's smooch him. I'm gonna, you're going to point him out to me, and I'm going to go lay a big wet one on his lips <laughs> and see how he likes it. How's that sound? <laughs> All right, but we're, we're here. Listen, I, I, go ahead. No, no, I, I'm with you, and it, it wasn't. It wasn't his best look. Hey, it looked but, like a real um, dipshit. Yeah, it's not not a <laughs> not a good look on anyone in this yeah. year of our Lord 2018. No, but we're here to talk about. Uh, I don't want to get you in trouble here. We're here to talk about Brett Moffat, uh, <laughs> championship winner, former. Uh, what is he? Uh, what's he up to next year? He's got nothing for next year. Uh, um, as, as we revealed at Auto Week. Uh, is the reigning and now defending, hopefully, uh, truck series champion. And he was told last week services were no longer needed at the team because they have opted to hire a driver that provide, who provided funding. Uh, this is the, the culmination of a story that's been brewing all year. Uh, I'm very proud of the work that we've put on our website kind of covering this story this year. Uh, they signed him to what amounted to be a, a four-race deal. They didn't know if they would just do the entire season because they really needed funding. And after the first four races of the year, they were third in the championship, had really good results, had already won a race, so they were locked into the playoffs. Um, and they kept doing it like at four or six-race intervals until they got to the summer and they decided, you know what, let's, let's chase the championship. And at numerous points, they were at risk of having to shut down by being the points leader because uh, they didn't have the funding to all the way through. And it, it was very much, and I know this gets overplayed a lot, but it was very much a David versus Goliath championship tale. And they won the championship in the, 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 the season-ending race. And despite winning the championship, that team is still cash-strapped and they found a driver who brought money, and so the champion is currently looking for a job. That is uh, insane to me. Um, and I know the economics of this um, probably don't, you know, probably doesn't make a huge difference. I mean, you'd rather have somebody who can pay their way and and keep the team uh, operational than uh, win a championship, probably, if it came down to dollars and cents. But to me, that strikes me as a very big problem with the series probably a big problem with with motorsports overall but how how common is is this uh kind of degree of cash cash strappedness um at that level and then how far does that go i mean like um is and you know pay drivers have always been a part of motorsports i think all the way back to the the earliest days it's always been rich kids with rich dads who who want to go racing um but it it seems like this is a very clear case where a you know even even that being the case in the past 
the best talent have have been able to generally speaking find a way into the sport um this seems to be a very clear case where uh someone who's clearly got the talent clearly got the ability is you know walking around the paddock trying to find a sponsor where you know someone who's who's probably less deserving is driving his car uh yeah i I think that's an excellent summation um I think what makes this even more alarming for the stock car community and maybe the larger racing community overall is that this comes off the heels of uh, another team we're going to talk about, Furniture Row Motors, Furniture Row Racing. Right. Uh, they won the championship last year, and despite being the defending champions, they announced uh, halfway through the summer that no matter how this year plays out, they're going to have to you know, close shop. So there was an issue in which because they finished second in the championship race this year that that you should have had your reigning Cup Series championship winning team having to shut down because they lost one of their $15 million sponsors and the New Crown Truck Series driver champion um, is, is getting deposed uh, fairly late during silly season despite winning the championship due to a driver bringing money and Let's make it clear too that there was no scenario which wasn't he wasn't going to drive this year unless he brought money. That team could not continue forward at the at the economic loss it experienced this year. They needed the money, so it's not like well, drive Ronnie and, and bought him yeah. out of the seat. That team could no longer operate under current budget without finding either a sponsor or a driver that has a sponsor. So it's alarming because we're seeing the story pop up more and more. Dolph took money, but I, I think the the gap in the cost to to participate to play between those who have a little bit of wealth and those who have a lot it's growing more now than ever before. Yeah, I, I and I don't know, you know, I, I don't know enough about the economics of it to say um, that this is. You know, is this an alarming trend, or is this kind of like this stuff's been happening uh, pretty much throughout the history? I have to assume this kind of thing is not entirely unheard of, um, but it certainly seems like with the furniture row stuff, and uh, that like if you can't if you can't field a championship defending team, if you can't field uh, or two championship defending teams seems like something may be broken with the with the sport um i mean is that gotta change is that a matter of like like in formula one where the payout structure is seemingly pretty busted or i have no idea how the like how do you i don't is think it it's purely anywhere near as busted as formula one's yeah. payout <laughs> but i mean well if you don't have a championship winning team you know not coming back right. you know so but i mean do they have a similar structure like that, or is it mostly through sponsorship dollars? You know, I'm not really sure how it works. Yeah, so I can provide pretty good detail on that. So it's a, you know, it's, it's an evolved structure. I think for the first time in a long time, all the executive types are finally starting to to say the right things because they used to fight with those of us in the media. Anytime that we would talk about how the structure is broken, we would always get press releases. We'd get called into rooms and criticized for what we wrote. 
uh, I basically told that we, we, we don't have a, a complete understanding of, of the business model. And I, I don't think they can say that anymore when you have all the reasons that we've outlined. Um, so the, the structure is changing. Structure is changing from top to bottom. Uh, the, the, the main thing to look out for here within the next year or so is NASCAR is going to completely revamp its economic model. It's no longer going to be uh, the Monster Energy Cup Series or the Sprint Cup Series or the Winston Cup Series. Uh, they want to create a business model that is very similar to the NCAA, uh, to the English Premier League. They're going to stop playing. They're going to stop paying of, people. Of sponsorship. <laughs> they're going to stop paying people. So what? I'm they, just joking. What was it? No, not not not, not the that style of NCAA. Yeah. No. But what they want to do is in the big picture. Because that's we're a really good a business. Decade plus from now, is they don't want teams to have to look for sponsors. They want NASCAR wants to be able to find sponsors themselves, and once they acquire all the different sponsorships, they can determine along with the the teams, the race team alliance, uh, which of NASCAR sponsors is the best fit for an individual team and driver. And NASCAR is looking to pay as they do now through the charter system uh, enough money for them to continue to operate. And NASCAR gives the teams sponsors. So they no longer have to find sponsors. They just have to find drivers. Now, that's really ambitious, but at least there is a strategy in place to try to address it. But, Matt, are there, are there sponsors lining up to sponsor backmarker cars in NASCAR? I mean, if you don't go out and get your own, and you, I just can't, I think that's not going to work for those. We're, we're talking about the backmarker cars. The top cars, they're going to get their sponsors. They're getting their TV time. But what do you do with that? Uh, you know, those second and third tier guys. Well, I think NASCAR would argue that they tried to eliminate the notion of a of a backmarker team. Now, which I would respond that there there always has to be a winner, and there always has to be last place. So I don't know totally how they're going to do that. If you look at it in the Cup Series, you have thirty six franchises, just like you would have in the NFL, just like you have in MLB. You have one of those charters; they consider you a franchise. And those teams are paid considerably more than those who don't have a charter. And NASCAR wants to be able to allow those teams that own a charter to make guaranteed money. They already know what that money is going to be before the season even ends. Uh, it's very similar to the F1 Constructors Championship model. Uh, you know where you have to finish to get X amount of money so you can budget your, your expenses for the, the next year, the next couple of years, every time the Concord Agreement comes up. Um, very similar to the F1 structure in that regard. So they wouldn't have a, a back marker in the traditional sense. Uh, they would just prefer for the teams that don't have a charter probably to go away. I mean, uh, they've said that in the past, that they would just like to have their franchises like you have in stick and ball sports, and they're all on a fairly competitive playing field. And... Those teams can compete amongst themselves to try to improve, uh, be regulated up and down, what have you. So, but meaning that if you had, you know, a, a sizable amount of cash to burn, you couldn't buy a car and go racing. Um, no, they, they they would like those those pieces to be sold. In fact, a pretty big story this week is that a marketing and representation firm just bought the charter that was owned by Furniture Row, uh, and apparently it was the the largest transaction to date of these charters. So huh. NASCAR believes it's created a very robust model that allows people who have money 
to buy their way into the sport when someone decides they want to get out. It's no different than uh, the Carolina Panthers that went up for sale and was bought here within the last year. Uh, I, I think that they would argue that, that their new model is very similar to that, and um, it's still evolving. And I, I still don't think we're going to have a good grasp on this, what this is going to look like for at least another five years. Um, so it's hard to really talk in definitives, and I know that, that sounds very flimsy, but they are working on it. And what's clear is what they've been doing wasn't working. You can't have a model to where Furniture Row shuts down. You can't have a model to where teams can't afford to, to win the championship and keep their championship-winning driver employed, and they're looking at a, a variety of means to address that. So to piggyback off what Jimmy was saying, uh, uh, Matt, if you if I want if I just hit the lottery today and I want to go out and buy a car and put a team in NASCAR, I mean I got to buy somebody else out, don't I? I just can't go out there and try to qualify. Well, it's tough. I mean, you right now you could you could buy a team if you could get the equipment, the shop, driver, get a sponsor lined up. You could absolutely go out there and compete, even if you didn't have one of the 36 franchise tokens, the, the charters, uh, you would be considered an open team. There's still a maximum of 40 cars right. that can start every race, including the Daytona 500. But the difference between the charter teams and the non-charter teams is they are guaranteed to make three times as much. So you can go out and win the Daytona 500. You could go out and go the entire season, and you could win the championship. And if you didn't have a charter, those teams, those franchises, would still make three times as much as you because NASCAR wants to protect those franchise teams from no longer having to shut down and have to sell their equipment pennies on a dollar. So it's a rather closed community, though. I mean, you're really discriminating against the new guy coming in unless, again, you can find a situation where a team is looking to get out and then maybe you can get a nice deal on a, Boy, I don't know. On a I team. I if you shut up with enough money, you could probably make a deal. If, yeah. And if you had enough money, you, than, you could buy one yeah, of those charters. Right, yeah, you'll buy somebody else out. But if you got 36 is franchises it, that are happy to be there and don't want to leave the sport. What's the series valued at at this point? Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> probably less than an NBA team, I'd have to imagine. Oh, the series? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The series is valued at less than an NBA team? I would imagine. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So I, I'd imagine you could work, make something work if you had the money. But, um, yeah. Super depressing to talk Here's about. A, let, me, let me add this real quick. So the one thing I would, I would encourage everyone to consider is that in, in, in these economic times, you don't have that many multimillionaires and billionaires knocking on the door anymore. So it doesn't really there, – there really isn't that sort of competition. And, yes, if you won the, the Powerball and you wanted to play at the highest level of NASCAR, there's charters out there that could be bought and sold for the right price. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing, too. Each charter has a different value attached to it in the same sense that from an estimate standpoint that Ferrari, according to the Concord Agreement, that Ferrari will always make more – than, than Sauber, no matter where they finish in the championship. Sauber could win the championship, or Red Bull could win the championship. And Ferrari will make more because they have a historical clause in that contract. And it's a contention between uh, Liberty Media and, and Ferrari over the last couple of years because Ferrari has been told that they're not going to get as much moving forward, and they 
been accustomed to getting more. Same thing in NASCAR. Uh, Team Penske, um, Hendrick Motorsports, those teams will make more on their charters than the ones owned by Front Row Racing or Rick Rear Racing due to a, a multitude of factors. Success on the track, historical representation. So I think NASCAR, I brought up the NCAA and the English Premier League, but there's a little bit of Formula One in this, too. And for everyone that says, well, you know, NASCAR is a closed community, well, so is F1. And F1, you know, relatively speaking, uh, is doing pretty well being a, a closed-door community. And you just, you're not going to see 40 entrants in F1 anymore, and you're not going to see 50 entrants in NASCAR. Uh, those days are just long gone. Hey, Matt, we're, uh, getting back to Brett Moffat, where do we see him in 2019? I mean, are we gonna just, is he going to kind of fade away and just uh, you know run late models for the rest of his career, or has he got – uh, intern, baby. There you go. We're looking for internships down here. and uh, Or is he going to you know land uh, with another team somewhere in, in you know, one of the three series? So I'm going to go inside baseball a little bit because the story, the way it developed, was fascinating. Um, the reason why I got a hold of that story when I did – is they wanted that story out this week. Um, when I reached out to the team about it, uh, they were very insistent that that story not come out until after this weekend because there's the championship banquet in Charlotte this weekend. Ooh. And they would have preferred to Yikes. go all the way through the banquet, not have to build these questions and talk about what he's going to do and why they had to let him go. Um, and then once this was addressed, you know, once they had their, their parties and their tuxedos, all that stuff, then they could address it. Uh, but from Brett Moffitt's management perspective, time is of the essence. They can't afford to wait until Monday or Tuesday yeah, to right. release this news because then you're getting closer to everyone taking off for the Christmas holidays and New Year's. And you cannot afford right now with how little seats are available to start looking and making those phone calls on January 4th or 5th. And so... With that in mind, you look at the, the cars that are currently available, I have no idea where he's going to land. That's not a mid-tier team across one of the three national divisions at best. Um, I talked to Denny Hamlin, the Cup Series driver for this story. Denny is a really good friend of Brett, and Denny, Denny was equally baffled. He's like, he's going to have to find something middle, back-to-the-pack, national touring division, he has to stay on TV, and the best-case scenario is, is that he outperforms his equipment so much, like he should be able to do, he is a championship driver, that once 2020 rolls around and more seats open up because he was told so late in the process that he wouldn't be coming back to his championship-winning team, uh, that he just has to make do. Uh, the best example is Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain has driven for a mid-tier team the last couple of years, got a couple of races with Ganassi, and now he's going full-time with Ganassi next year because he both impressed with that mid-tier team, and he won once he was given a three-race deal in the middle of the season to drive for, for Chip and his program. So that's what Brett's going to have to do. But right now, when you look at the teams that are available, they all require money, the good teams, and those not-good teams are going to be in the middle of the pack, back of the pack, and that's probably where he's going to be for 2019 after winning a championship. That's pretty rough. That's a pretty rough deal, because uh, you say, like you say, there's a lot of guys that don't have the resume that he has that are in a lot better stuff for next year now. But we are looking for an intern, so that's true. Uh, it's that, ten yeah. bucks, twelve bucks an hour, or something like I that. It's just ten, but we yeah. can bump it up twelve for uh, Mr. Mouthit. Yeah, if he can drive. 
Yeah, because we need somebody to make the food runs. I mean, yeah, yeah. We we need a good driver. Be quick. Um, well, that's kind of sad, depressing. Um, uh, and uh, with that, I think we can we can leave you. Do you have anything happy to tell us before you go? Maybe like a a bright side, like a, a good dinner you had. Yeah, <laughs> like a cool Twitter interaction. Maybe I don't know. Something. Anything. Stop. I hate to have these really doom and gloom conversations because I'm a racing guy. I've been a racing guy my whole life, and uh, it's, it's very frustrating, admittedly, to, to look around right now across all motorsports and see these sort of challenges. But even more frustrating than seeing this sort of doom and gloom that we're talking about was seeing sanctioning bodies and seeing uh, executives who, quite frankly, had their, their head up behind side. And we're saying, you know, everything's fine. The sky isn't falling. Uh, that's no longer the case. Brought it up earlier that within the last two years, there's been this emerging honesty across everyone in racing that things are not quite as good as they used to be, and we have to fix it. And one thing that happened earlier this week was the heads of several motorsport entities or representatives from several motorsport leagues all met at the NBC headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut. We're talking uh, American Flat Track, NASCAR, IndyCar. Uh, a representative from F1 is there because their TV deal is going to be up, and they could be back at NBC next year, or two years from now, rather. And all of these people met in Stanford because they want to figure out ways that all these different motorsports sanctioning bodies can work with their, their shared TV partner, NBC. NBC's trying to pivot itself to be the home for for motorsports and there was some honest dialogue there from everyone that I talked to that there were some really good fresh ideas that would have never been brought up five or ten years ago because everyone was competing NASCAR was competing with IndyCar and F1 now they want to work together because it was explained to me and this was so eye-opening that they've spent so many years in racing trying to fight themselves, all these sanctioning bodies, but they weren't figuring out ways to beat the NFL, to beat NBA, to beat pop culture, movies, television, and finally they're trying to get on the same ship and steer the, the same direction. And so that provides me a lot of optimism. Wait, they're trying to make racing overthrow all of pop culture? Isn't racing part of pop culture? Shut up, Wesley. That is uh, that is very good to hear, Matt. Uh, and I, it, that is a positive thing. I think a lot of uh, you know sanctioning bodies in in car makers and uh, you know politicians and the kind of guys who run the world. It seems like um, either either they're scrambling to try to fix something or they're just hoping they're dead before it gets really bad. And uh, it's good to hear that. Um, Sounds like NASCAR is actually scrambling to try to fix something and, and make something that's sustainable for the long term. So, uh, thanks for calling in. On that note, um, we're a little happier now. We're going to talk about some some other stuff. But as always, it's a pleasure having you on, and uh, we will talk soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, we're back. We are. On to talk to a series that has no pro- talk about a series that has no problems. Everything's going great. Everyone loves it. It's very entertaining, and uh, we're of course talking about Formula One, the number one Formula One sport in parts of the world that don't have 
any pop culture or entertainment to speak of. Um, Probably not even video games. They get yeah. nothing over there. No, they get American stuff. They get American oh. video games. They get American music, movies, right. uh, and then so yes, we only we only have culture in the good U.S. of A. That's true. It's the only thing we we export. Yeah, uh, actually, the only thing we produce of any value, and it's just Taylor Swift. No, Taylor Swift is not American. I mean, Taylor Swift is is low culture. I think, but we also export soybeans. Well, they I mean, have value. Is that true? That's true. But I mean, you go to the, the so huge, F1 man. panics over so in Europe huge. or anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, all you're hearing is American music. Yeah, that's all we got. I mean, yeah. we we give them. It's the only thing that America is still good at, and it's like uh, generally produced by like a a very small uh, oppressed class of Americans, primarily, which is funny. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we're here to talk about Fernando Alonso. Talking Mike, about oppressed. Mike yeah. says he's bad. I say he's good. Uh, wow, I didn't R- say it was bad. Uh, Robin's here. Opinion of people who watch Formula One. Yeah, Robin's I, here. He's one of the best Formula One drivers that's been around in decades. Well, so. that's a good starting point, Robin. Where is he? Where does he rank? Is he in the top four, Number five? Well, what are we talking? Twenty rank of Hold, what? Rank of what? Yeah, yeah. Well, you you brought it up. You yeah. said the best in the, in the, in decades. I I would say in the last okay post Since, Senna, he is he's in the top three. Almost definitely the top five. So right. of the modern era, what you'd call the modern era. Yeah, Which sure. Which is like what? Now, so 2000, 2000 up? Sure. I mean, I, I would include Schumacher in that list, and I would say he's still top three, top five. Hamilton? Hambone? Yeah, I would say Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton's I mean, also it, there. it yeah. might just be, I like, you know, Schumacher, Hamilton, Vettel. Alonso. Yeah. I, Vettel's I mean, not it, in there. Why is not? Why is Vettel below Alonso? He's, Vettel is... Um, Four-time champ. He's four a four-time time champ. He's he never had a drought like this. He's four-time champ in a car that was decisively the best. And after the first championship in 2010, but 11, been, 12, and 13 championships were in a car that were favored to him in rules of the team that were favored to him. So he had the dominant car and the favored uh, well, I would driver say status. Why would he the dominant car at, at Ferrari? The Red Bull no. was the, oh, right. the Red Bull is where he won on the championships. What are we talking about? Yeah, I mean, you got to give him credit for those first couple championships at Red Bull when that I'll was. I'll give an, him credit a, for the first one. That was an unproven one. car going in. It had never won before Vettel. It was the one and only car designed by Adrian Newey, and it well, was. He's, he's still making the cars now, Red Bull. That's and right. They still have and the they best. Still sucking. Yeah, no, they still have the no, best like car. On they the still track. have the best chassis. chassis. Their engine is not the best, and that is not. Adrian's fault. No, but there's some not, other people I, that yeah. could <laughs> the, um, have done things. I, a I think better. the thing about Alonso is is that you know when he was when he won his two world championships, those were those were fought for. You know, like those were great championships with Schumacher. Um, that was yeah. You he had, was you the had first Raikkonen guy to beat the, Schumacher after his five win a row. Yeah, and you had you had Raikkonen in the McLaren who would kind of be competitive and then either break or something would happen. But it was really Alonso and Schumacher fighting for those championships, and he he won those. It, they weren't gifted to him. And then I think the really sad – well, part of what makes Alonso – A tragic pe- figure. People see him as like such a great driver too, though, is that that McLaren over the last few years has had zero business being where it's been. Um, the and fact it's been where it's been because, because of Alonso. Of Alonso. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. you look at the other drivers. Van Dorn is no slouch, and it's actually very sad that he doesn't have a drive next year. Um, you know, he was hotly tipped to be, and he is a very good driver. But 
you know, you look at where he he managed to get the McLaren, and then you see where Alonso managed to get the McLaren, even dicing anywhere near the front, um, anywhere near tenth, uh, is a big deal. Um, and then nobody cares who finishes tenth. A lot. I mean, I think no, I think that's the yeah. thing, Bryson, is that in F one. People really do care about who finishes tenth. Not it, if you're considered one of the greats of all time. No, no, I no. Mean, I I think F1 uh, among people who watch F1 and who follow F1, the the best of the rest and the top tens really do matter because the sport is so historically uncompetitive that like judging it on who wins, it's like you know the same guy's going to win every race r- roughly. So so winning. So the whole field matters. Yeah. You know, the competition throughout the, the whole field matters. The real of just key the first one. is how do you perform as a driver compared to how your team is performing? Which is, a, it, which it could be argued, and I've certainly made this argument in the past that that is very stupid um, and very boring. Um, well, so but now we're we're getting into a different we're conversation. Into different yeah. conversation. Yeah. So yeah. the thing that, and so the thing I think that makes Alonso um, one of the best is that not only did he win those two hard fought championships against Ferrari and Michael Schumacher at his best at yeah and um and and also it wasn't just two cars in that fight um there were other competitive the McLaren was competitive yeah, especially in 05 and Raikkonen was um, picking the McLaren and so those were great seasons now after that the thing that makes him such a tragic kind of you know would have been is he made terrible decisions and um, that's his flaw as a driver. You're absolutely right. right. Is you know he was in McLaren in 07 and wanted favored driver status against Hamilton and didn't get it and reacted poorly to that. Well, and, not just poorly, but but very poorly, <laughs> <laughs> very poorly. And then he spent uh, was it two or three seasons in the Renault when it was not competitive. He still won a race here and there, thanks to uh, there was yeah, some, some dubious, tiny touch of scandal, uh, not directly his fault. But he was not in a front-running car. Then he went to Ferrari, and that was during the Red Bull dominant era with Adrian Newey having the clearly have clearly having the best design. And Fernando was the guy keeping Vettel honest. Fernando was the guy that was finishing second in the championship. Fernando was the guy that was still getting race won. wins. He almost won, but I, I think in twelve would have been more competitive. He got stuck behind Kubica in the in right. The Renault. Yeah, yeah, and then. But Fernando's Achilles' heel is his team relationships. Well, it's career choices. I mean, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he. uh, But I I think for me, um, you know, I think I think most people would say if Fernando had stuck around at Ferrari and had maintained that relationship with Ferrari, because that was not a a happy ending. No, to that by any means. And if he had maintained that relationship and had been in Vettel's chair this year and last year. He would have won those two championships. At least one of them. Yeah. What if he had stayed at McLaren as a or stayed as a part, just as stayed as a partner with uh, Hamilton? How would they have fared? There's a darn decent chance that Alonso would have won the 08 championship and 07. I mean, if mm. if he hadn't made if if that relationship hadn't been so acrimonious, then Kimi would not have won that championship. You know, he squeaked that through because yeah. McLaren was. In such a shit show. And by the way, Kimi Raikkonen, the best driver of all time ever. Oh yeah, well, I mean, we don't even, we don't even, we, don't, yeah, we start. There. I mean, everyone knows <laughs> he is the greatest. That uh, is the greatest you know, that ever is, was, or will be. Everyone did, knows. Uh, did you know that I drove uh, Alonso's LaFerrari one time? 
Uh, yeah. Another uh, he bad, said it was really another scary. Another bad decision by Alonso <laughs> yeah. letting you in the car. No, he didn't know I was uh, driving it. Yeah. Um, and I still wonder how. Did it say greatest driver in world? It said uh, <laughs> Fernando. They said I said, is this a um, a customer car, or is this like a a, tr- a media car? And they were like, oh, it's a customer car, so be careful with it. And I got in and looked down, and at the bottom of the steering wheel, it said Fernando Alonso. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) uh, It almost would have been better if it just said Fernando. Yeah. And you're like, is that? eh, Or F Alonso or Fernando A. I think the the thing about uh, him for me and and me... um, you know, being a little bit more sympathetic to Bryson's argument, um, you know, Bryson has not made a, a podium in the last 85 outings, which is a lot. Um, but what makes me a little bit more, s- what, what, like I said, as someone who's a little bit more uh, sympathetic to Bryson's argument, when you go around the paddock and you ask the drivers and the team uh, owners and the, the people who are really in a position to judge Formula One talent, they all say he's the best or say he's one of the very best ever. So that to me holds I mean, that means probably something. more yeah. water than you know, but it's so any of our judge. arguments. Any all right. Of so so about. how about this? So we'll go back to the, the many hours of discussion last year. I mean, it's it, hold on. It's not hard. Which, it's not hard for the drivers to judge. I mean, the drivers are are sharing the track with him every weekend, more than every weekend. But in this they know. year, Rory, we haven't seen a pass. We're still yeah, waiting yeah. for well, our but, first pass. But you're, you're changing but that's, the subject. That's even better because, that's even better because <laughs> there's a guy behind him the entire race for the whole season <laughs> watching him drive. So he knows. Not very many behind so, him. But, but you're changing <laughs> the subject. So, <laughs> that one guy. Yeah, so how about this? Well, so let's go so to... So when you say... To, hold on. I have to... No, 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 no. No, no, no. Hold on. When you say passes, you mean passes for the lead. And I know that's your stick. But uh, no, there's no, been no. a lot of passes, and a, a lot, lot of those passes have been made by Fernando Alonso in the mid-pack. He is always aggressive. He is always there. When he gets passed, it's clearly because of power. When he's passing, it's a clever move. His passes are clean. His pass, He never has I any mean, 95% uh, of the, 95% of the passes in F1 are clean. Otherwise, you're going to get penalized or you're going to run into the wall. There's All a right, lot so of penalties, about, yeah. So I and, think also one of the big things, so the Indy 500 – when he went to the Indy 500 and I mean, to be honest, like we were all kind of talking about, well, okay, so if he does really well, it's embarrassing for the IndyCar drivers. And if he kind of does poorly, then it's like, okay, this is something completely different. And you know, he, you know, it's a totally different uh, sport almost. He was incredible at the Indy 500. He was fantastic. And that yeah. is something, and he Led had the a race. He was, he was not only that, good. He no, 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 Mike, I've seen, I saw good. him do stuff in that car. I've never seen any Indy car driver do. Well, that, and not only that, he was competitive out of the box. Yeah, I think he was texting. He could have won that. Yeah, he, was, he did his hair. He could have won the race. He was drunk. But, I, but again, no, we talk about so much yeah, about what I saw him, I saw him drink a whole bottle of Cava. He had a good car. Last year at the Rolex, he finished 38th. I mean, his team was was it was was not even competitive. Yeah, last he was year. one of the four well, drivers there. No, no, hold on. He, he was really in well. a he was in a P two car at the Rolex. But he he didn't he didn't win anything last year. Yeah, at the Rolex. He he won Le Mans. He won Le Mans. He won Le Mans. <laughs> he won Le Mans. Nobody else. Yeah, did. no help. He, he well, was the on. missing piece. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> that no. To be fair though, Toyota has been trying to win Le Mans for like 10, 12 but years. But they're the only factory. You can't say yeah. All of a sudden he comes in. Yeah, hold on. He finally made a good career decision. I'm gonna go with the one car that can win this. That's right. You can't argue that he was. 
38th at the 24 hours of Daytona where he had a bunch of teammates. And then are you, when he won Lamar, that, oh, was because that's, he has teammates. I mean, true. those two things don't line well, up. Lamar is, is an had, asterisk when you're the on the only, only factory yeah. car. I mean, you that's have to, you have to, admit, like, you have. Robin, you could have probably got on a podium there. I should have been there. I probably you could were have there. been right about that. But I mean, no, there. like, in, I was, car. I was when you around, have, I mean, so, in the car. So, there were less deserving drivers. So, but we have Fernando Alonso, though. I What I think is really interesting is you see him in, like 05, 06, and especially then when he went to McLaren with Hamilton. And, and he was a very, um, I mean, that whole issue started because uh, arrogant and yep. uh, kind of an asshole. Yeah. Like I didn't, I did not like Fernando Alonso yeah. 10 years ago. It took me a long time. I think um, it was the 2012 season where I finally came around and because there was that 09 or no, wait, with 2010, uh, Fernando was fashioning you to the Massa, yeah. that whole thing. And well, and, and then now after having, you know, just his, his nuts kicked for like what the last five years or yep. whatever it's been, you know, now he, he's starting to make, you know, he's going to Le Mans with Toyota. He's going to Indy with McLaren slash Andretti. Um, you know, we'll see about this year with the new car and so no Andretti. Mike, but. if he wins this year, wins uh, Daytona, okay. which he is he, in oh, a position probably to do. Well. Yeah, he picked a good team. He, yep. He's making some good career decisions now. If he wins Indy this year, if he's right. top three at Indy, this I'll take year. I'll take the field in that bet. Okay, right. the what do you, what's the bet? I I just don't think he's gonna. I mean, that's, what's the bet? I, Will he be competitive? We'll find out. No, no, I'm saying he he wins. At Rolex, which he's in a position to do, and he's in the top three at Indy. That's my bet. I'm going to bet he is top three at Indy and wins Daytona. Well, Indy is real interesting this year because unlike his last effort was with Andretti Autosport okay. with a you know couple of stickers that said McLaren on but it. Let's think this of, year he's going to be pretty much with McLaren folks. Yeah. So well, that's going to be a tough uh, tough road this year. What's I think. the bet? I don't know. I mean, is McLaren just hiring a bunch of jabronis? Like. You know, non Indy Indy five hundred people to I'm run the tire team. changer. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I mean, are, is that is that team though? Are are they completely new to the Indy five hundred? I can't imagine. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Is I McLaren going to hire a bunch of Indy five hundred? It should be. It could be yeah. interesting because it's not going to be a partnership with another team we're well, hiring. It's going to be a McLaren after with a Chevy when, in it. With a when Chevy we met it. Zach yeah. Brown, yeah, uh, last year. Oh, yeah, that's right. In Detroit, yeah. that was. That was in Bobby Ray Hall's trailer. Yeah, Zach Brown knows the IndyCar guys. I, I, it's almost impossible that he's gonna have some no, I, fresh crew. It's yeah, but nobody's like gonna a, give him their first string guys. It'll be like a I Disney mean, movie. No, there's enough out of work IndyCar first string guys. <laughs> believe me, there's, it's not hard to come by. There's, they know guys who can change the tires and put the fuel in the car. Um, Make it go in a circle. So let's think about this bet. I don't. Want, okay. I don't want to let this go. Wow, you're, you're All right. Pretty, pretty serious. So that's my bet. On on my side, if Fernando wins Daytona and is top three at the Indy, which is big. wow, that's, that's huge. Big. What kind of? That's there's a, a lot that could happen. There's a ten to there's one odds on that happening, happen. right? I mean, that's crazy. <sighs> Not worse than ten to one odds. Yeah, that's that's a that's a. That's reach. very bad. I know it's a very bad bet for me, but I'm willing that's, to make it. Wow. If the stakes are interesting. Hmm. I'm trying to think of what you can give me that's interesting. Well, you said the word stay. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you got my attention there. I yeah. pulled a mental hamstring on that one. And then, all right. I think, I think that if I think that if Bryson is right, <laughs> you owe him all the Mountain Dew he wants for a month. No, that's gross. That's too much Mountain Dew. And How about this? <laughs> How about this? We'll, we'll change the stakes to even it out a little bit. Okay. So, so if he's top 10 at Indy. Whoa. Okay. And top... 
three at Daytona. Yeah, that's better. Top three and top ten. So if okay. he doesn't, if he doesn't do either of those things, I will drive your personal car. Whoa, for two weeks, and you can drive my press cars wow. for two weeks. That's oh, that's pretty good. That's kind of intriguing. Uh, I'm a top three and a top this. ten. <laughs> 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 and then, yeah, don't give me anything good, Robin. No. Uh, and then, what what can I get from you? Let me. I have to noodle this a little bit. If, yeah, well, if you're listening to this, this could come up. This could be a podcast. If you listen, if you're a uh, yeah, if you're a, a podcast listener hearing this today, send me some steaks. Uh, both send me real steaks, like Omaha steaks. But also send me betting stakes that'll make this make sense for me in pricing. And voice your opinion on who you think. No, betting think is not right. illegal. Alonzo, betting is still Alonzo illegal Alonzo in Michigan. Not. We haven't, so we gotta be careful. It's legal. I talked to the sports book guy oh, down the road. Yeah, he yeah, says gotta, the, right. he said, "quote Don't worry about it." So, ah, very yeah. good, very good. Um, your bookie says, "Don't worry about it." Yeah. <laughs> so, I think we're totally on the up and up there. Um, good to know. But yeah, I think. Um, yeah, that I mean, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on. There's this. there is a joke though to be had with with Alonzo, finally in his twilight years picking the right team. I think that Wayne Taylor team, that car is going to be strong this year. Obviously, it Wayne Taylor is. was well. They were like extra snake bit last year, but the car was still fast. Jordan yeah, Taylor knows how to win that race. Um, so that'll be really really cool. And like another great, you know, having Alonzo at uh, Daytona last year in a, a P two car was. A big deal. People were excited about that, but having him like in a car that should and could win is a, a very very big deal. So, but before we leave Alonzo, though, yeah, do we think he's going to end up in a full time ride in IndyCar or F one anytime between now and the end of his days as a racer? Yeah, I do. Yes, because I'm, this is going to be kind of a lost season as he's much as still highly sought after by all of the teams. But yeah. he is what thirty seven years old. And I just don't know, you know, his window is going to close. Yeah, it's, it is, I mean, it's right, his window is closed as far as like championships and that stuff. I think his his, you know, what he's said is, uh, you, you know, to be considered one of the greats, you can either go win seven championships, which he doesn't have time to do anymore, or you can go win everywhere else. And that seems to be like sure. guy's got enough money. I think he, yeah, I think he's doing fine. Financially. Uh, oh no, financially, but, but, but we, I think he's yeah. I think he's going to go on kind of like a like a world tour yeah, type thing. Saying, and, yeah. You know, I mean, there are plenty of classic Does races that are not in Formula One. Empire Hill Climb, for instance. I mean, Empire Hill Climb. I think would that's be a few a years away. Yet. That'd a be a big notch in his belt. Yeah, if he can um, get Indy, if he can get Daytona. I think again, though, if he has the right. Well, car. that's the fourth jewel in the Triple Crown, isn't it? The uh, Hill Climb. Yeah, and he would. You know, he'd have to. They've changed the name. He'd have to be invited. He'd have to be invited. It's a smaller jewel, but still I don't know. Jewel. It doesn't sound like Alonzo has the same drive of trying to be a, a Nigel Mansell and come over here and win an, an IndyCar championship. I think he wants a five hundred. I think he, he wants the five hundred. Well, well, that that's absolutely a, could. Well, that, again, that that's going to be a very interesting uh, debate, and I'm sure a lot of eyes are going to be on that McLaren Chevy uh, effort. At, at that's Indy. also something that I would love to see. I would love to see him in an IndyCar on a road course. Yeah, you know something that's interesting too that I that I will throw out there, and I've I've had. Uh, pieces of this conversation before though I think the the Mansell thing is interesting but I think the um, the level of of IndyCar driver today uh, specifically in IndyCar is very high so it, in that that to me like winning a championship in IndyCar you've got a lot of guys who have been racing in those cars basically in those exact cars with different cha- you know little changes here and there 
for years and who know how to win championships and know how to uh, to compete in that in that that series. So I think the I wouldn't I wouldn't say for sure that he could walk into a a, a, a season and win a championship. Well, Mansell yeah. walked into a top seat. Yeah, when that's he came in, and that. And that would be tough for us to predict. But is Alonzo, he's not a Penske guy. No, he no. doesn't sound like a Penske guy. I mean, you know, obviously he's got a relationship with Andretti, and that's yeah. a team that can win championships. I mean, that might be the opportunity if he wanted to win a championship over here. Um, yeah, again, I, maybe that McLaren effort is going to be bigger and better than I expect. I would love to see him in a Ganassi car with Scott Dixon. Yeah. I would love, I would absolutely love to see that. So. But the, Scott the, Dixon would love that too. The point is that he, <laughs> yeah, it, he given the right opportunity, he would absolutely be competitive. I'm just certain of it, and uh, it would be exciting to see. All right, we got really a side bet. We're going to have a side bet on that one. I, I guarantee he'd be competitive. I, like I said, I would. I'd have a hard time guaranteeing a he, championship. He'd be fighting for wins. Yeah, no yeah, definitely so. Yep. So uh, that is Alonzo. I think we we solved that. Uh, I think. That is, uh, like, like I said, if you, if you have some stakes for me uh, in pricing, send them along, and we will uh, we'll get a, a good bet going on this Alonzo thing. We can settle this once and for all. So, And actually, uh, Fernando, if you're listening, too, I'm very happy to cut you in on uh, any of the winnings. Or if you want to tank, we can talk about that, too. But, about well, he's looking for you, though. He just yeah. found out that you were driving his car. and that's, Yeah, that's been, true. He's like, well, the seat's all fucked up. Yeah, it's been messed so up. It looks like there's a fat guy funny. in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so that is uh, that's going to be the motorsports portion. Uh, we're going to move on to an interview with Steve Steve Torrance. Uh, so actually, more motorsports. All right, we're back with the podcast, and we've got with us a new NHRA champion, Steve Torrance, top fuel champion, with us this afternoon. Steve, congratulations on an incredible season and an even more incredible uh, run through the playoffs. Thank you very much, man. I mean, to be honest with you, it's it's pretty unbelievable what we've been able to accomplish. Well, I mean, no one could have believed you were going to run through the countdown, you know, without a loss. I mean, that just has never happened before. You're going to have that on your resume now the rest of your life. Uh, I mean, what was that like, and and how were you able to keep focused after you had already won the championship this past week? You know, most of the pressure was off. We we came into Pomona, knowing that we were the champs, and and all we needed to do was go four rounds, and and we had we had started the countdown with that same mindset: go four rounds on Sunday, let the points handle themselves, and I think going through those those first four or five races like we did, the confidence in myself as a driver and the team was, you know, unparalleled, and I think that we just went up there and did our job and. I mean, it was a, it was it was a tough day. I mean, we had some pretty tough races, but but those Capitol boys, I mean, they're just tough. Was it as simple as, hey, uh, we're here, we might as well win this thing? <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> I would like to say that, but you know, at the end of the day, that's 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 what we did. We went out there with with the mindset to go four rounds, and whoever's in the other lane doesn't really matter. We're racing our 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 lane, and you know, as far as them making the tuning calls it does and i race each driver a little bit differently but we uh we we were able to wade through some pretty tough opponents so what was the biggest party was it last night or was it the night after you clinched this thing <clears throat> no the biggest party was definitely in vegas last night was pretty <laughs> epic but uh the vegas party was was 
out of control. Well, if you're going to clinch a championship, that's probably not a bad place to do it. No, no, I think that uh, I think that those boys right there showed Vegas how to party. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, Steve, that that trophy they give you guys, that thing's pretty massive. Where is that thing going to go? That thing's probably going to go to my office at Capco. Uh, that way, all of those boys that, that work out there on playing that pipeline can come in and see it because it's all because of their hard work that that we're able to do this. And, and I, all of my wallies are in my office, and so I definitely plan on putting that thing in there so they can check it out. Well, that thing won't even fit on a plane, will it? Say it again. That's not going to fit on the plane, is it? Oh yeah, it'll fit on the plane. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get it on the plane for sure. Hey, Steve, your your career, your life, I guess, it could be a country western song, couldn't it? I mean, you've been through so <laughs> you've been through so much, and now at the end of the rainbow here, you got a championship. Uh, I mean, can you tell tell some of our listeners a little bit about some of the stuff? Not that you've gone through so much, but just you know, what what kind of a roller coaster has this been for you? It's been pretty crazy. I've, I, I told somebody the other day. If, if the next 35 years has as much stuff packed into it as this 35, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I was, I've had cancer when I was 17. I had a heart attack three years ago as a result of the, the radiation treatment and stuff that we had with that. And, you know, I've just, I've been able to overcome some pretty, pretty tall obstacles in life. And it, it, it made it even, even more gratifying to, to come out on top and, and achieve a lifelong dream and goal of being a championship drag racer. You know, seven years ago we started this team and I wanted to I wanted to be just a race winner. We wanted to win one race and now as time progressed we, we were in contention for a championship last year and and lost it the final day of the season and this year we were able to do it uh, before the race before the season ended. So it's it just you know, going through that adversity and going through those trials and tribulations, I think it just prepared me even more so to, to handle the pressure and enjoy it and, and go on. Now, now, having a heart attack, you know, in your you were you're still you were in your early thirties then, right? Yes, sir. I mean, when you're coming off of something like that, Steve, I mean, your your number one priority is not winning championships. You're just thinking, can I even get back? I mean, you I, know. I, that's that's one thing about me. Um, I'm pretty resilient and just extremely hard headed. <laughs> that uh, I I just thought as a bump in the road, and I left the gym, drove myself to the hospital. I thought something was extremely wrong, and I I needed to I needed to find somebody that could look at me because I didn't want to go home and and then have to go to the hospital in Kilgore. So uh, that's not much better than like the 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 small vet clinic, I would think. So. Uh, <clears throat> I drove from the hospital, from the gym to the hospital and checked in and they said, well, you've had a heart attack. And they went in and pulled, removed the blood clot and put a stent in. And I was, I was out of the hospital the next day and we had to miss the Norwalk race simply because where they went in through the artery, they, they wanted that to heal for a couple of days, but I just took it as a small bump in the road and kept moving forward. You know, it, it just dealing with cancer, the heart attack wasn't that bad. <laughs> So you so you missed one race, one race, yes sir. <laughs> that is incredible. Uh, so this uh, this winning a championship thing that's nothing. Shoot, that, that was easy. Uh, it wasn't easy, I can assure you. It was it was a hard fought battle 
uh, going through what we went through last year and and wrecking the car in Dallas and, and losing everything and then trying to trying to recover with two races left in the countdown, it, it mentally prepared us to to go out there. You have to learn how to win a race. You you got to be able to control your emotions and go out there and and stay calm, stay cool, and and overcome whatever's thrown your direction. And we learned to do that uh, last year as, as far as winning the championship. We we went up there and did the same thing every time, and, and just maintained a consistent, a consistent, uh, you know, focus that we could do, and and it, it panned out for us. Well, and Steve, you're not winning this championship in a in a, a down era. I mean, this is a great era for uh, top fuel dragsters. You got a lot of a lot of champions uh, up and down that grid every week. You're absolutely correct. You got Antron Brown, three time champion. You got. Brittany Forrest that was last year's champion, Tony Schumacher, he's an eight time champion and I mean there's some really tough contenders that you gotta take in and take out uh week in and week out. So I think that uh, the the parity and the competition level in the sport right now is at an all time high. I feel that that everything uh everything we did this year we had to earn. How's your life gonna change? It's not going to change at all because I got to go back to we're we're going to do the banquet in Hollywood tonight, and I got to go back to Texas tomorrow and go to work. So it uh it isn't going to change. We'll still have the same intensity and drive and focus to go out there and and try to repeat next year. We're just going to keep the keep the the same group of boys together and 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 try to repeat. We we felt like last year was was close, but no cigar, and we just need to keep moving forward. We know how to do it now. So how do you keep busy in the off season? What keeps you going? Well, Capco keeps me busy. That's a full time job. I work there Monday through Thursday, and then race on the weekends. And when the off seasons go, and I'm gonna, I'll be there uh, occasionally. I'll, I'll skip town and go down to our ranch in South Texas and do a little bit of hunting. Uh, mainly just a lot of hiding out and relaxing, but occasionally I'll mix in some hunting with that. But I'm looking forward to the off season. It's been a long year and. Now I'm going to get to spend some time with some friends and family at home. I'm guessing it's going to be a little harder to hide out now. People, people are going <laughs> to, <laughs> you're going to be a known quantity now all over. So that's. Yeah, but I, I, I got some pretty good hiding spots that are a long way from civilization. <laughs> so you talk about Capco. What actually do you do, you do down there? Uh, so Capco is an oil and gas pipeline construction company. That's my family's business. Um, and, and that's the only job I've ever had. I've had two jobs, and one of them doesn't pay very good. One of them's racing, driving a car, and, and the other one's working at Capco. So uh, you can figure out which one that one is. There you go. But I do I do everything. That, uh, I've, I've been in that business from the ground up and worked in the field, worked in the office. I do a lot of the estimating for the jobs that we, we go out and look and bid at and uh, just try to, try to take a load off of my dad anytime I can. I mean, he, he's... He's getting to the point where he likes to show up late and leave early, so somebody's got to take the <laughs> reins and keep going. Uh, do you think that's going to be uh, your long-term landing place over there? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's, that's I enjoy doing that kind of work. I enjoy the the people that work there. We've got we've been in business almost 25 years. We've got second and third generations of employees now. So uh, that's that's family. That's home, and that's what I enjoy to do. So do you get everybody down there for the race in Texas? Do you get the, the whole crew down there for you guys? 
oh, we, we've got quite a few employees, but any of the ones that wanted to come to the race, they're more than welcome, and they show up and support us every every year at, at Dallas and Houston. I can only imagine. I bet uh, I bet that this is going over real big down there. Well, I've, I've heard from quite a few of them. I think I had about 200 text messages last nice. night when I went to bed. So we... Uh, We've got a lot of a lot of support back at home. Well, at Indianapolis for the 500, everybody goes down and kisses the bricks the next day. Uh, what, do, what do you do the next day after winning an NHRA championship? I don't know. I don't know what, what the <laughs> tradition is, but I'll tell you, we all were a little bit hungover this morning. So <laughs> Right now we're resting up so we can go to this banquet tonight. All right, Steve, doing a lot of media today, I assume, and that's got to be kind of cool. I know it's a it's a little bit of a pain sometimes, but when you're a champion, it's probably a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I've got another call in three minutes. So uh, it, it's it's not a problem at all. I enjoy doing it, and I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity to, to do it. It means we did something good. There you go, Steve. Well, we were uh, rooting for you here in Detroit, and uh, we'll look forward to getting you on that podcast, and we'll uh, look forward to rooting for you next season. Good luck to you in the off season, and good luck back home. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Congratulations. Thanks. So that was Steve Torrance, uh, Top Fuel champ. Uh, Champion. For 2018. Yeah. The year that is uh, very nearly in uh, in our rearview mirror. And I think he's looking forward to 19. Yeah, uh, that's in repeat. our four. That's our windshield, I think mirror. they call it. Anyway, so uh, that is episode 43. Um, mostly motorsports. Mostly motorsports. All motorsports. Uh, just a, ter- a coincidence. This is not a trick of editing <laughs> to make two episodes out of one. This is Don't just, look at uh, the date. It's not seasonally yep. related. It's not um, because everyone's going to be in and out of the office. But anyway, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being with us through all of 2018. Yep. The first year of the Auto Week podcast. Is that true? No, it's not decidedly not Second true. Second year. year. <laughs> Rolling into year three, baby. Uh, nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we'll be back with episode 44 very shortly. Don't forget to... Uh, I think you'll love it. I, I think we're going to talk about some good stuff. Yeah. I, I have a very good feeling about <laughs> this one. Uh, probably car life, I think. Probably. Mostly car life okay, situation. Yeah, maybe a lot Jake of Graham, a lot of Jake. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, thank you. Uh, I hope that you will go to the review place. Um, the autoweek.com place? Yeah. and hmm. No, you oh, go the, to the, the place. iTunes. Give us the numbers. The, the, the stars and the yeah. numbers, baby. And then uh, like and subscribe to my Instagram account. Follow us on hey. Spotify. Yeah, follow us on Spotify. Jake, um, you're not in the room yet. So, wait, I did want to talk about some stats. Do we have stats? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we can do this now. No, no, we'll do it later. All right, we have some very exciting stats to share with you. We'll in the next episode. On episode number 44, which we have already recorded. 